continuing in our series uh, called Seeds. And actually, it's a little bittersweet because we're wrapping up this series. And uh, But before we get in, into Seeds, how about baptisms? I mean, I'm not, I mean, yeah. Um, as a, I told Tommy before service, I said, I'm just going to tell you right now because I had the honor of baptizing my daughter uh, at our Keller campus. And I said, you're just going to full-on lose it, just go with it, okay, just go with it, and uh, then just seeing Chris and Janelle on the front row, Emma uh, and the Bucks, they are our neighbors, and it's just, it's exciting to see what God has done, and again, I just, I, I, I don't know, I mean, baptisms alone, I mean, I'm going to lose it, so, uh, and, and much less when I know people uh, closely, and so, just excited about what God is doing uh, in the hearts of people here at Milestone. And as we just continue to see growth and transformation, as we continue to reach people and build lives. And, and that's really why when you even look at our series that we're in called Seeds. I, if you were here in January, actually lined out on a vision weekend that our heart for you this year is to grow. And we're, we're not just talking about, hey, we want you to grow, and that's a nice uh, thought. That's not just uh, just something that we're thinking about. It's not uh, aspirational. We're going, hey, here's actually how we're going to help you do that. And we, we actually started with this series called Seeds. And Seeds is really, when you look at the idea of Seeds, the thought of Seeds, while it's coming to an end today, it's been so good. Like I said, it's bittersweet. Maybe we'll do part two. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But it's, it's us looking at this idea. Idea, this thought, this concept of, of what it means, what, what seeds actually mean. And we, we discovered over the last six weeks that really this principle of seeds is all throughout the Word of God. It, it started in Genesis, Genesis 8, at the very beginning. And then we read and we learned about how the Word of God is a seed and, and that Jesus is a seed. Our heart is like soil. We have to tend to the soil of our heart. To ensure that the things that are planted, that they take root and they grow. And that if we don't like what we see growing, then we need to change what we're planting. And what I want to talk to you about today is I actually want to kind of end with the tagline where we started. And you can see it here on the screen, seeds, tomorrow starts today. I want to, I want to unpack this for you. I want you to open up your Bibles, John chapter 15. We're going to get there in just a minute, and, and actually it probably will take me a little bit before we get to John 15, because I want to set this up for us and, and help us understand, because what I want to talk about today is something I think for many is a great uh, conceptual idea. Now, there are a few, I think, that, that we really understand what I want to talk about today. You're, you're actually living it out, and it's this. It's called legacy. You see, all of us are leaving a legacy, but some of us are planning for it. We, we, we all are going to leave behind a legacy. And I'm not just talking about resources or maybe a business or a company that you started and you planted and you built and you worked so hard. I'm not talking about all that. That's not legacy. I want to talk to you about what Jesus says is legacy. The things that really matter. The, the things that, that really derive and, and determine what's going what's gonna to make the difference. You see, we spend a lot of time thinking about today. We think about the activities of today. We think about the busyness of today. If you're like me, you have a calendar. I was talking to someone earlier, and they're like, hey, we're meeting today on, uh, on Tuesday or th on Thursday. I was like, I think maybe Tuesday. I was like, I, I don't know. I'm grateful for our admin. She puts it in there. I show up wherever my little calendar just pops up and says, bing, be here at this time. You know, And there's enough lead time for me to make sure I get there in time. 
But our calendars are busy, the demands, the things, all of the stuff. But we don't always think about tomorrow until it's on us. But see, tomorrow and where we actually want to be, it starts with us thinking about today. It starts with today. I shared with you uh, as, we, uh, as we've gone through this series, the third most common noun found in the Bible is tree. Tree, that's the third most common noun. Is I've studied and prepared for you guys. There have been things along the way that I've been learning. In fact, I was reminded that in the Ark of the Covenant, there is a tree. Now you may say, well, what is the Ark of the Covenant? We'll do a teaching on that later. You can look it up. But the Ark of the Covenant is essentially what uh, held the presence of God in the Old Testament. But in the Ark of the Covenant were three items. First was the law that Moses came down with. You would know that maybe as the Ten Commandments. There was a jar of manna, which was what God provided. It was the food that he provided. It represented God's provision. And then there was Aaron... Aaron was the first priest. There was Aaron's rod that had budded. And it represented Aaron's authority as a priest, but it also tied to Jesus' authority as the, the overarching priest. Now, here's a unique thing that I began to discover. This is what I learned just in studying. You know, I'm learning new things. You think about the tree that's represented. This rod came from a very specific tree. It was an almond tree. Now, here's what's unique about an almond tree. You look at that tree, and you're thinking, man, that's kind of pretty. I put one of those in my yard. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know how many of you know a lot about trees. Or, I mean, I like eating almonds. Never had an almond tree. To be honest, I'd never seen an almond tree until I saw this. But here's what's amazing about an almond tree. An almond tree is the first to bloom, but it's the last to produce fruit. First to bloom, but the last to produce fruit. You see, almonds had a significant impact in ancient Hebrew culture because an almond tree was significant of a person's life. You see, life in a human's lifespan, it goes by fast. Do you ever realize that? It's like, man, I feel like the days are flying by, you know? As I continue to get older, I mean, I'm 42 now, and I remember when I was 22, I thought, man, all right, yeah. Now it's like, man, I feel like everything just, boom, here it is. I know, don't be mad at me for saying that. I'm like, it's already going, it's going to be June before we know it. Then before you know it, all of a sudden, boom, pumpkin spice lattes and red Starbucks cup. And it's Christmas again, okay? And prayerfully, the following February, we won't have snowmageddon, okay? But I'm sure all of you will have an in-home generator prepared for that time if that were to happen, okay? Time flies by. We don't always think about it. You see, because we live in a culture that doesn't think about, oh, I want to be the first to, to, to bud, but I want to be the last to produce fruit. You see, just because things are blooming in your life doesn't mean it's fruitful. There's things in your life that you think, oh, this looks real good on the outside, but is it really producing fruit? Is it really producing the things that you want? You see, we live in a day and age that's countercultural to be patient in that, to wait for something to produce fruit. We want it now. We want it now. You know, I, when we lived in North Fort Worth uh, in the Hazlitt area, we lived across the street from the school. And my kids would walk to school. We loved it because we could see them walk to school from like our front porch. And so it was awesome. And then it always made it easy because when they had like, you know, parent-teacher meetings and things like that, people are driving all over the place, parking everywhere. We just walked across the street. It was awesome. But they would also do these things in the evenings called book fairs. And so we just walk across the street, and we'd go inside, and it was amazing. I was amazed. You walk in the library, 
And there's like the books that you actually want to buy were like there. And then you went and you paid for it and you left. That blew my mind because I don't know about you, but if you were anywhere close to my age, you, you got one of these. You, you didn't get walking in the library. How many know what that is? I sent this to Alex. He's our, he's our youth guy who's up here hosting. Early. I said, hey, make sure we have that picture of the, the scholastic uh, book fair on there. He's like, is that the thing that looks like a newspaper? I was like, oh, my God. I'm old. I'm old. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about? You used to fill this out, right? And you'd circle five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten books that you probably weren't going to read. But why did you do that? Because if as a class you had like... 10, 12 books each, what happened? Then as a class, you got a class what? Pizza party. That's right, you got a pizza party. I'm like, so here we are. We're going to ask you to buy books you ain't going to read so we can get a pizza party. Here's the crazy thing is, I had to wait six weeks before I got these books. I even forgot I bought them. You know, I come to school and like, boom, all of a sudden the books, it's like Christmas. The books are on my desk. I'm like, where did these come from? Some of you remember back in the day, you didn't have, like, you go online and, you know, all these young people, they got, like, you know, they got these clothes drop and shoe drop and all these drops. I'm like, who's dropping? What happened? Did something fall? I don't know what's going on. You know, all this stuff. You know, back in the day, you had a catalog. If you dropped something, you dropped the catalog. And you went in there and you ordered, okay? And when you ordered, it came in, like, a month and a half. And you're just praying, I hope that I still fit in the things that I ordered a month and a half ago because it's been, you know, it's been, it's been the holiday season. And let's just say I may be a little wider than I was when I ordered that, okay? You see, we live in a day and age now where it's like I can get on my phone, Amazon Prime. I got a drone that'll Amazon will come deliver it to my front porch. Getting it tomorrow is too late. I want it today. I want it today. I want it today. I want it right now. And we don't have... The patience to say, wait a minute, no, no, no. I don't want to just live for this moment. I want to live for a legacy. You see, legacy, when you think about legacy, it's, it's conceptual to many, but I want to hopefully make it reality for you today. I, I want to share with you the words of Jesus and, and what he says about legacy and, and then give you some practical things that hopefully help shape how you start viewing everyday life so that you can have the tomorrow that you want because you're focused on today. You see, Jesus had a different vantage point. Jesus wasn't simply thinking about today, today, today. I want right now, I want right now, I want right now. He's thinking about the future. And God always worked that way. There was a different vantage point that God wants us to view our life from. And if we gain that vantage point, it begins to change the decisions we make today so we can begin to see the tomorrow that we really actually want. Jesus actually shares this in John chapter 12. When you think about John chapter 12, it says this, John 12, 24 says, Very truly I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, Jesus here is about to actually, if you were to look at it, he's actually giving a little bit of his own eulogy. Now, you may not know what a eulogy is, and I want to explain it to you here in just a minute. But... I think about people in my life who've made an impact in my life. I'm grateful for the mentors in my life and the people that have invested into my life. And, and I always value that because I've had people in my life, pastors and leaders in my life, that just coach me up. They help me see how can I get better. And in turn, it really has impacted how I 
probably live life, how I lead, how I interact with people. Because for me, you really love me if you coach me. If you help me get, if you're helping me get better, then you really love me. Now that can be a little countercultural to the culture today, because it's like, if you really love me, you tell me how great I am, and you click like, and you follow me, and I've got, I'm, you know, certified blue check, and blah blah blah. No, no, no. if you really love me, you tell me what I need to hear, so I can become who I say I want to be. That's what it really looks like, and so I value that, and I and I can remember about a year and a half. Actually, it was right before COVID hit. I was in a meeting, Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor, we were in a meeting with our, our, our pastors and we were going uh, through this, uh, this kind of, I guess you could say, workshop with uh, this coach. And it's actually an individual that had been coaching Pastor Jeff for the better part of a year. And one of the tools that they often use in helping you grow in your impact is creating a living eulogy. Now, what is a eulogy? A eulogy is essentially the words that they say about you when you've died. Now, as a pastor and being in ministry for 22 years, I've heard a lot of eulogies and I've given quite a few eulogies. And there's times where I've given a eulogy and I haven't known the individual. Those are always challenging. I remember as a young pastor, I mean, I was like, okay, you know what? They give you what's called the funeral home will give you what's called the, the minister's copy of the eulogy. And essentially, you just read. I'm like, all right, I'm going to read that. I'm going to preach the gospel. We're just going to stick to that because I don't really know this person. And here's what I don't want to have. And I get up there. This person was amazing. Greatest person in the world. So kind, generous, giving. And everyone out there is going, who are you talking about? That's not who that was, you know. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to like stick to what they said, born, raised, all right, and you preach the gospel, all right. But then there's times where you know the individual. You know the family, and you sit down with the family. And here's what's amazing to me about it is when you sit down with the family, you start hearing about stories of the impact that that person had on their life. And I often wonder, would that person be thinking the things that are being said about them, would they be thinking those were the things that were being said? Would they be thinking about, man, the thing that made the biggest impact is when, when dad used to just take me to these random, like, you know, we're going to go get ice cream right after school. Or that vacation that we came home one day. I, I know for me, I think about one moment when my dad, I can remember, I think I was probably 12 years old, he came home and my dad worked for the state and they laid him off. And it was probably three or four days before we were going to go on a vacation to New Mexico. And I remember the first thing I thought of, because I'm a selfish 12-year-old kid, is like, are, are we still going on vacation? And I remember my dad said, son, we've planned and prepared for vacation. We're still going and we're going to celebrate God's goodness. Now, I wasn't until I was older until I really realized the impact of that statement. But as I got older and I started becoming responsible for others, I started thinking about, Lord, I hope I would have had that same faith that the same day I got laid off from a job I had been at for 15 years, that I had the same faith to go, boom, I'm going to go and celebrate God's goodness. You see, there's this aspect of understanding those moments. What is it? You see, we don't often think about that. We don't think about what would be said of us when we're gone. We don't often think about how am I going to be remembered. How much time have you thought about that? How much time have you thought about what are going to be the moments of impact that I've had on other people's lives? What are going to be the things that are said of me? That's not being morbid. That's being intentional. Because if you want to end up there, you know where that starts? Today. It starts today. 
It starts in how you live today. And that's what Jesus was saying in John 12. And then he goes into John chapter 15. And this is really Jesus kind of giving a eulogy, giving his perspective, giving a, a breakdown and an understanding what, uh, what it will look like to live for tomorrow, to plan for tomorrow. Here's what he says, John 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. We've been learning that God is the gardener. He's the one. He's the one that tends and keeps. He's the one that's investing. He's the one that sent Jesus to come into the garden. And if you don't have Jesus in your garden, then you're missing it. See, because here's the thing is what I'm sharing with you about legacy, this is not about self-help. This isn't about how do you structure your retirement, your 401k, the business you've worked so hard to, to, to build and to structure, and how do you set that up or parcel that up between your children and leave them a financial legacy. That's not legacy. That's not what Jesus is talking about. This is not about practical investment ideas on a legacy. He's talking about a spiritual impact that will impact generations to come. That's what Jesus is talking about. He goes on and he says in verse 2, he cuts off, here's God the Father, he's pruning here. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that, will it, so that it will be even more fruitful. How many you know, you feel like, man, we've been in a pruning season. And you're thinking, man, oh, it was the devil, COVID-19. Maybe it was a little bit of God using that to prune some things inside of us. There's been a pruning and a pressing that's happening. And I'm not just talking about the season that you may be in or coming out of. I'm not talking about God allows bad things to happen to good people. What I'm talking about, there is a pruning. Why? Because when there's a cutting back, there's more fruit that comes. There is fruit that comes out of your life. And so there's a cutting and a pruning he says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Real simple. He's saying you can have a lot of activity, but you got to remain in me. The, the, the production of fruit that's going to come about is not going to come from just random activity. It's going, to become, it's going to come from remaining in him. And then I want to skip to verse 16. And he wraps these thoughts up here. He says, you, I love this verse. I remember learning this as a young Christian. And I remember it, it, it meant so much to me, especially for this first part. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You see, you're looking at your life going, how did I end up here? Maybe even recognizing now the goodness of God on your life. And God come in, I chose you. I have a plan and a purpose for you. You're not in here today by accident, by the way. You didn't end up in here like you thought, well, I just came because my neighbor invited me, my friend invited me, someone I knew was getting baptized. No, no, no. There is no mistake while you're in here. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He chose you. And he says, I appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. So I chose you for a reason and a purpose, that you may bear fruit. But he doesn't stop there. Not just fruit. He says, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. Whatever you ask, it's fruit that will last. I love one translation. It says, fruit that will remain. You see, there's a difference in activity and fruitfulness. There's a difference between what we put on our calendars and what may be fruitful. 
and remain. He even delineates between the difference between fruit and fruit that will remain. You may have fruit in your life, but is it going to remain? Is it going to last? You know, I've learned more and more about plants and, and planting as I've studied and prepared for this series. I love the season we're coming into with spring. And, and I don't know about you, but I've been on my back patio and post snowmageddon, my patio is a dumpster fire. It's like leaves everywhere. My, my cushions tore. How'd that happen? No one been out there. They just tore, you know, I don't know, maybe the squirrels are looking for someplace warm. I'm not sure what happened. I had a pot broke. It just cracked. I don't know if it froze. All my plants are dead. It's terrible. All right. But here's what I love. I'm going to go to Lowe's. I'm going to get some plants. And guess the, the thing about Lowe's, I'm going to go get plants. They already got buds on them. They already look real pretty. All I got to do is just take what's dead out, put what's alive in, and boom, look at Oh, man, look how that's powerful. Look how beautiful that is. And here's what I really love about Lowe's. That if it dies within the next year, I can take it back. And guess what? They're going to give me my money back, and I'm going to get another plant for free. Uh, strong possibility that plant I plant is going to die. So I like the uh, 100% guaranteed within the next year. And that's the thing. It's probably going to die in the next year, So if not less, all right? And I'm going to get a new plant. You see, but there's one plant I learned about this past week that, that I would have a hard time with. It's called the century plant. I don't know if you know anything about planting or you know anything about this plant. Maybe you've seen a century plant. I, I have seen one. I didn't know that's what it was. But here's what's unique about a century plant. A century plant has a 30-year lifespan. And over those 30 years, that stem will grow 20 feet in the air. And then it will bloom one time and die. You see, I think a century plant is much like our life. But the challenge is, do we have the patience to wait for a century plant to grow over almost 30 years, bloom one time, and then die? You see, it takes patience. It takes time. It takes a perspective beyond where you're at and what you understand to recognize the power of what that actually represents. Because what do we want? We want to go get Lowe's. We want a plant that is already budded. We want it to look real nice and real good. And we want to guarantee that if it dies within a year, I'm going to get another one to replace it. You don't get another chance to replace this go that you're having at this thing you call life you got to make the most of it today. And the tomorrow that you want starts today. I'm reminded of that thinking again of my dad and, and, and the relationship that we had. He, many of you may know my story. Some of you may not. But my dad got saved at eight years old because a family came across the street and invited them to come to church. So my dad gave his life to the Lord. And I can remember different times where as we began to grow, my dad really, he came from nothing. He grew up in the projects in Laredo, which is a border town in Texas. Only one of eight kids, the oldest of eight kids, only one that went to college and only one of four that graduated high school. Put himself through junior college, put himself through college at UT, graduated business from UT, and that's where I was born and raised. And I can remember as a selfish, simple-minded teenager trying to help my dad out about 13, 14, 15 years old, going, Dad, 
Why are you still wearing those old, like, jean shorts you've had for, like, 15 years? Like, those aren't cool, Dad. Like, those shoes, man, now they'd be in because he had the dad shoes back when they were dad shoes. Okay, now y'all are paying, like, way too much money. He was getting those at service merchandise. Some of you know what that is for $20, okay? So I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? And he'd say, Son, I'm not worried about all this stuff right now. I'm thinking about the future with me and your mom, and I'm thinking about you and your brothers. Now, I didn't know it at that time, but what my dad was trying to teach me, he wasn't trying to, he wasn't trying to teach me, uh, I just don't have any fashion sense. He wasn't trying to teach me, oh, uh, just hold on to your clothes for 15, 20 years and don't ever buy anything new. He was teaching me a principle. He was teaching me a principle that what I want to see in the future doesn't start when I get there. It starts today. It's legacy. How much time have you spent on thinking about fruit that remains. How, how do we get there? How do we focus on? How do we discover what it looks like, really, to, to, to understand how tomorrow starts today? How do we get there? Well, over the next few moments, I want to give you some just practical things to help you. First is this. You have to see it. You have to see it. You see, most people don't see it. In fact, some people don't want to see it. They don't want to see that legacy starts today. You see, this is not just, this has always been countercultural, thinking about tomorrow. But it's never been more countercultural than now. Never. You see, to think about the future, to think about tomorrow, to think about, you know what, I don't want to win in all the things that in 30 years I'm going to look at, they're not going to matter. We spend so much time trying to win at the things that 30 years from now aren't really going to matter. And we miss out on the things that in 30 years are really going to matter. And that's where we want our time and our life to be invested. But we, we, we try so hard. Let me win over here. Let me do all these things. Let me get it all. Let me make sure I've got all the buds in place. But I'm not producing any kind of fruit that's going to remain. You see, you're never too young and you're never too old to start living for legacy. It doesn't matter the season of life. You may be 15 in here. You may be 10 in here. You may be 12 in here. You may be 8 in here. You may be 88. You may be part of the wiser generation. You may be somewhere in between. But it's never too late to start thinking about legacy. I, I'm reminded of this story of an individual from our Keller campus. His name's Clyde. Clyde's 79 years old. I love Clyde. I just like his name, Clyde. He's just powerful. And what I love about Clyde is this. You see, I don't know Clyde personally, but I know his family. I know his daughter and I know his grandchildren. Because when I was overseeing all of Next Gen in Keller, his children were in the student ministry. And see, the thing about Clyde is this, is that Clyde's daughter, Karen was an agnostic. She came to church. She gave her life to the Lord. Her husband, Alan, gave his life to the Lord. Kids got saved. They're involved. They start a small group. They invite Clyde to come to a Christmas service. Clyde comes. He gives his life to the Lord and since then starts serving and is a part of a small group. So Clyde's now 79 years old. He sends us this picture over here, this picture that he probably got from his grandkids because we gave the milestone kids these little boxes to plant seeds in. And that box is the seeds that him and his wiser generation small group planted, going, hey, just want you to see the seeds that we're planting. See, seeds don't care how old you are. 
Seeds aren't worried about who's planting them. If you plant seeds, it's going to produce. You see, what this is right here is at 79, Clyde's saying, I want to leave a legacy. You're never too old. You're never too young to start living a legacy. That's what that is. And Clyde got that revelation because that's really what it is. Legacy, if you're going to see it, you have to understand it's really an impartation. It's something that gets down deep in your soul. That you say, it doesn't matter what I think I want to do or be for myself. It doesn't matter what other people keep telling me I need to be. I'm going to go to the greater thing. I'm going to go to Jesus' way of doing things. I'm going to look from a different vantage point, And I'm going to see something. And those are going to be the decisions that steer my life. That has to get inside of you. Because when it does, here's what begins to happen. What begins to happen is once you see it, you change your mindset. Your mindset, your perspective. There's two different mindsets. There's a right now mindset and a legacy mindset. You see, a right now mindset says this. I'm aiming at how culture defines success. Whatever culture says is the main thing, that's what I'm going to pursue. Some of you know who Robert Quillen is. He was a, a journalist and a humorist. He said this, Americanism is using money you haven't earned to buy things that you don't need to impress people you don't like. But here's the thing. He said that in 1928. Not in 2020 or 2021. Why? Because it's not social media. It's not the culture and the climate and the day and age we live in that drives something in our heart to want to pursue today rather than focus on tomorrow. You see, what happens is this. Right now mentality says, I'm going to drive and I'm going to pursue whatever culture is saying is the thing to pursue. It says, I'm so focused on today, I can't think about my legacy I don't got time to think about legacy. I'm worried about all the things I need to do. I'm just trying to get to Friday. I'm just trying to get to vacation. I'm just trying to get to the end of Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, and hit all my KPIs. I'm just trying to, no, 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 no. You focus on where you're wanting to go. You can't afford to not have time. But right now says, no, 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 I just need to dial into today. And what begins to happen is this, you begin to react to what happens instead of creating intentional moments. Right now, mentality goes, I'm just going to react, react, react. Instead of going, no, I'm going to be intentional about creating moments with those I love, with, with those that, that really I want to make a difference in. And, and you may go, well, I've tried that, and it hasn't worked out. It hasn't happened the way that I thought. Don't give up. You may have had discouraging moments. You may have had heartache and think, well, I tried this whole intentional thing and legacy, but it didn't. Just keep going. Keep going. Because here's the other thing. A right now media, or a right now media, a right, that is a thing actually. A right now mentality says, I, I'm going to assume that it's just going to happen. It's not just going to happen. Can I tell you something? Those children, the family, the individuals that you're trying to plant seeds in, they don't know as much as you think they know. They don't. But guess who's going to help them know? You. But it's going to take time and energy and conversations and emotion. It ain't just going to happen. It's going to take intentional, emotional connection, conversations, and investment for them to actually get it. You see, a, a right now mentality says there'll be plenty of time later. There's no better time than now. 
Don't wait for later. Start now. You know, we, we sang this song earlier, Amazing Grace. And what I love about I love the song. Every time we, 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 we sing it, the team did amazing, and I just love it. And I would have thought that Amazing Grace was the most played song at funerals. That's actually not the most played song at funerals. The most played song at funerals is actually My Way by Frank Sinatra. But I want to read you a few of the words from My Way, just to help you. For, for what is a man, what has he got, if not himself, that he has not? To say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. You see, you can try and live your way, but you're probably not going to have fruit that remains. Jesus is saying there's a better way. Because I know every time in my life, and there have been plenty of times I've tried to do it my way, it seemed like I work harder. I came up more empty-handed, and the things that I thought that I was going to invest into emotionally, physically, with my time, with my energy, with my effort, actually didn't produce fruit. And if it did, it didn't produce fruit that remained. You see, there's a better way. There's a better way, and it's legacy. It's living for something greater. Here's a legacy mindset. It says, I'm aiming at how the Bible defines success. What does God's word say really is success? I'm not going to wait I'm going to think about legacy now, and because I'm thinking about it now, I'm going to create intentional relational moments towards my legacy. Intentional moments. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. If you want to get to where you want to be, you're going to have to be intentional about it today. Starting now, you can do it. You're never too young. You're never too old. You can start now. And what happens is this. This is what I love is that a legacy mindset understands that I'm partnering with God. I plant the seeds and I trust him to make it grow. We've been learning that. That's the thing. When it comes to legacy, you don't have to toil and make it happen. You plant seeds. You water seeds. You plant seeds. You water seeds. You invest into your family, into your children, into your marriage, into your relationships, into your business, into your work. I mean, so it, it translates not just in your family, into the things that you're entrusted to steward. If you'll plant and water seeds, God's promise is he will give the increase and he will make it grow. Here's the last thing. If, if we're going to understand what it looks like to think about today so we can be prepared for tomorrow is you have to recognize that your legacy is the fruit that remains. That is your legacy. The fruit that remains, that's what Jesus is getting at. The fruit that remains is actually your legacy. You're going, I want to, to leave this legacy, this impact. So, so why is this so important? Because here's what I want you to get. This Message is all worth it if a young person in here recognizes, I don't have to wait till I'm 50 to leave a legacy. I can live legacy right now by the decisions I make and who I'm going to date. The decisions I make and, and where I'm going to invest my time. The decisions I make about who I'm going to spend my time with. I can start now because of my relationship with Jesus. I can invest in that way. I don't have to wait you see, it's all worth it if a young person understands that's what legacy looks like. If an empty nester in here recognizes, maybe, maybe you're hearing this and you're going, man, I didn't really do it right with my kids. I, I wish I would have done it different. Man, it's great. Man, I wish I would have learned this when I was younger and when I had kids and my kids were still in the house. 
God wastes nothing. You may have given your life to the Lord. If you're an empty nester in here, you may have given your life to the Lord last week. You may have been serving the Lord for the last 10 years, and you still feel the pain of, of, of fractures in your relationship with your children. But now, because you're in a multi-generational church, there are so many young families in here. You could be investing in being marriage mentor or parent mentors to them, investing in them, helping them learn and helping them grow. You see, you understand legacy when you recognize there's still a part for you to play regardless of the season of life you're in. If, if there's a business leader in here that recognizes, you know what, I could take that promotion but it's going to mean I'm not going to be able to spend the time that I want with my wife and my young family. So I'm going to say no to that thing. I'm going to say no to that title. I'm going to say no to that promotion because I'm thinking about legacy. You want to talk about countercultural? When you start going, no, 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 I want to live for tomorrow. I want to invest. There'll come a time for all that. But while my family is young, I want to invest in them. Maybe a mom and dad. That you're in here in the season you're in. Maybe you're, you're, you're working and tending to kids and you're looking at, at how you're, you're, you're having to do all of these things. And in doing so and recognizing those things, you begin to recognize and see, man, I, I feel like where am I putting my purpose? I feel like the only purpose I have is sippy cups and changing diapers. But can I tell you, that's the greatest place for you to invest. And for some of you moms and dads, you're doing that and working at the same time. And I want to encourage you, God will continue to give you the grace that you need because you're investing in the area that means the most. It's your family because in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that's going to be the thing that you care about. Maybe you're in here and, and you're in a season where you're already coming into that legacy moment. You're thinking about transitioning out and you're thinking about perhaps the, the business that you built. or You're thinking about the company you're a part of. You're thinking about retirement. You're thinking about, you know, all these things. And, and here's the reality is that we're in a season, we're coming into a season where there will be the greatest transfer of wealth than in any other generation. And as that transition happens... That you recognize, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, I want to live for legacy. I want to invest into the kingdom, not into just good philanthropy and art. Because at the end of the day, you can have philanthropy and art and still be going to hell. That's the reality. Because heaven and hell are very real places, and people really go there. And there is an eternity that you can experience. And so when you start going, and you may go, well, I mean, isn't part of my role to, to invest resources and generate? Re yeah, absolutely. You invest resources and generate resources and all of those things. But when you give to the kingdom, you make an eternal impact in people's lives. You see, legacy. It's legacy. I want to read to you the words of Isaiah before I pray for you. And Isaiah, Isaiah writes, Isaiah 59, verse 21, and it really is a legacy scripture. It says, and as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. You see, when you start getting this into your soul, 
you start thinking about that. You start thinking, I don't want this to depart from my children, from my children's children, from my children's children's children. You see, what Jesus was talking about was fruit that remains. Something that goes on beyond your bank account, beyond the things that you have accumulated and the resources that you may be looking to pass on. You could pass all those things on, but you actually have the potential to pass on something greater. And it's the seed of what Jesus did in your life. I'm grateful to my dad that he listened and embraced the invitation that those neighbors extended to him. Because he did that when I was eight years old, it changed the course of my family. And now my children are are learning back in Milestone Kids and my oldest is sitting on the second row listening to the word of God and growing up in an environment and in a way that's completely different had he not given his life to Jesus and had my mom not given her life to Jesus and had we not been raised in a house that prioritized God and his word. I'm gonna encourage you, some of you, that's the season you're in. You got saved later on in life. You really started pursuing the Lord later and your children are young or maybe you just started to have children. And it's impacting, it's creating legacy. For some of you, you may be older and your children are gone. They've moved out, you actually have grandchildren, but it's never too late to start living legacy. Maybe you're just starting out. You're like, man, I'm just trying to get into high school. I'm just trying to think about what college I'm going into. You can start living legacy. It's never too late and you're never too young. But legacy starts first with accepting Jesus.